0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Our, our lion-hearted pastor, Dr. Matt, I figured we could just do confession of faith because it's what we do up in the North region. We got a 20-foot lion standing right here for a reason. So we're gonna say this thing, it's called a confession of faith because we are meant to believe this. Confessing means we believe it If you don't believe it yet, it's called the declaration, and that's perfectly okay. But the idea is that after you declare it, you begin to believe it because the power of life and death is in the tongue. I'd rather say this than anything else about my life. So we're going to say this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Today, I am worthy to receive and possess the keys to your kingdom. I am blessed. I am healthy. I am bold. I declare favor blessing and peace over my life. You, Lord, direct my steps in Jesus, my name. If you believe that, shout, amen. Shout like you're a champion. Shout like you're an overcomer. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can slap high fives, take a seat, tell people they are really good looking. Worship team, y'all were incredible. Thank you so much. Well, speaking of I am, the reason I am is so powerful, it reminds me of uh, you know, what we're, the week we're in right now is Passover week. I grew up Catholic and Jewish, so this was, you know, a very important time for me growing up was this week of Passover. We would sit down and, and talk about what happened, and we'd have the books, and my mom would be like, read it, you know, read it to your sister. And then your sister's got to read this portion, and then you got to eat bitter herbs and, you know, all this random stuff. Um, and so, you know, we, we really took the time to understand it, but the thing I didn't fully, you know, grasp at that time was the power Of I am in the name of Jesus uh, being as powerful as it is obviously because I didn't know Jesus but I didn't understand um, this portion of scripture that really reminds me of what we do with the confession of faith because before the deliverance because most of us know the story of the Red Sea most of us know the story of Moses saying let my people go most of us know the 10 plagues right most of us know all of that but what happened to lead to that what happened that led to that and You know, you get to this moment, Moses has been serving his father-in-law in Midian, which is the place of wilderness, the place of the desert, the place of wandering, for 40 years. And the Israelites have been trapped in bondage in Egypt for about 400 years, and when he lived there as a prince, because long story short, he got basically adopted by a prince. That's a good, that's a good time. You get adopted um, into royalty. That's pretty cool. That's actually what we all get to do when we say yes to Jesus. We're adopted into royalty. But... What was powerful was he grew up and then he tried to deliver, because he was originally Hebrew, he said, I, you know, I'm going to take this on myself to deliver these people. And so he tried to do that, ended up killing somebody, and God was like, yeah, that's not how we're going to do this thing. You need to go and you need to think about what you did for 40 years to a place of testing. And so he did that. But then all of a sudden, one day, God heard the cry of his people in bondage. And so he said, I'm going to send Moses. So he basically comes to Moses and he says, Moses... You know, uh, you need to go and basically free your people. I know you try to do it your way this time. Hey, why don't we do it my way? My way is going to work. My power is with you. I'm with you. And so Moses instantly, like many of us would do, when God starts knocking on the door of our hearts saying, hey, I've got a purpose bigger than just your current life. I've got something more than just you making enough for yourself. I've got more than you just living for yourself and your family. There's actually more in you because I want to get something through you. Right? I want heaven to come through you, not just get to you. If you want heaven to get to you, it might be a question of, how can I get it through me? And so the, the, he responds with this question. Moses says, who am I? Who am I to free these people? Who am I to do that? Who am I to live a life larger than myself? And Moses says, I'm with you. But then Moses asks a different question. Honestly, a better question. He says, okay, okay, I'll go. But When they ask me who's sending them, who's sending me, who do I say that you are? Because he didn't have a personal relationship with God up until this moment. And God says, tell them, I am who I am. Because there's only one name that can free the bond. There's only one name that can take you from an Egypt to a promised land. There's only one name And that name is I am. That name is Jesus. There's no other God. And so the title of this message today is I am. You see, you won't actually know what your purpose is and be confident in walking in it, which is why Moses asked, who am I, until you know who is the one that's sending you, who's the one that made you, which is why his second question probably should have been his first question. And so he said, who are you, God? And he said, I am. And so we are in uh, the theme today, closing Lifting the Standard Series with Communion Sunday. Communion Sunday on Palm Sunday, right? The week before Easter, we're we're here and we're gonna be taking communion. All of you should have received communion. If you didn't, if you could just lift your hand, we're gonna have our ushers come around and and they'll be bringing that to you. But what I want you to do, and I really believe this, I I felt it in worship in the 9 a.m. and I strongly believe it for this service as well. There's two parts to that emblem. There's, there's the body, right, which is representative of the body of Jesus, it's, and it's the little bread. And then there's the cup of juice, which is representative of the wine, the blood of Jesus that was spilt for our new covenant. And so what I want you to do is throughout this message, I believe God is going to speak. I believe he's going to move. I believe he's going to speak to you individually. And so for the healing part, because the Bible says that he was bruised for our iniquities. He was, by his stripes, we were healed. Healed. Healing, healing from cancer, healing from terminal, healing, if you got a, something wrong with your knee ligament, healing is our portion today because that he had flesh torn from his body so that we may be healed. And so I believe that God in the midst I could be making a joke, but you're gonna feel the presence of God. You're gonna feel the Holy Spirit saying, now, and I want you to take that emblem throughout this service when you feel that. I, you don't have to be doing it when I pray for it. I just want you to take it when you feel like, yep, that's it, I'm getting my healing right now right now in Jesus' name. And then at the very end, we're gonna take the juice together because that's representative of a new covenant. We're gonna see people who have never known Jesus come to know Jesus today, who aren't following him, going to follow him. So we're, that's how we're gonna do this thing today. So communion, communion broken down into two words is common union, right? Common union, a shared union. There's, there's unity. You see, the Bible says that, you know, There were 10 commandments in the Old Testament and Jesus came and he's like, yeah, y'all made 613 other ones, you crazy people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to simplify the whole thing and we're going to make it into two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, strength, and your soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Simple. Unity with God and unity with people. Communion is not only representative of the fact that we can have healing today the fact that we can live in abundance today, the fact that but that we are meant to be united with God, united with I am, united with Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about. The first, you know, kind of the, the main scripture that people look at, when they're talking about communion is Luke 22:17 to 20. You can look at other ones too, but this is the moment where Jesus is having the Passover dinner he's sitting at the last supper with his disciples and they are uh, about to, to take the bread and bless it and take the wine and bless it. And so Jesus does that in verse 17. He says, then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you to do this in remembrance of me. Little did they know at that point that Jesus would quite literally give his body, which is the little cracker you're holding, and his blood, the juice, so that we may be healed and so that we may be reconciled. They didn't know that at the time. And then it said, uh, you know, this," is the, and then he went to this is the, um, the cup, which is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood, uh, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so our focus today is is, is definitely going to be on the healing. I believe that God's literally just going to do that throughout service. But I believe what we want to focus on, what I want to focus on is the new covenant, is that blood, is, is, is what happened at the cross. And so what would often happen when Jesus would teach, especially when he would teach in crowds, is he would first... Speak in parables, because the Old Testament that fulfilled a prophecy that said he would speak in mysteries. And then afterwards, because he needed some people to actually get it, he would tell his disciples, "Hey, plainly, this is what I meant." And they'd still be like, "Huh?" Right? Yeah. I know that could be me sometimes. Or I'm like, "Can you tell me?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "One more time?" You know? It's like. And so the point is, he's speaking plainly, and so right, and he does that often right after he teaches the parable, and so right after. He has this last supper thing he goes down to the garden of gethsemane but what happens on the way there and i believe while he's even there is he's talking about the vine he's talking about plainly what he meant when he was talking about communion and so we're going to look at that in john 15 verse 1. he said i am the someone say true 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 vine And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The fruit he's talking about is not just like, you know, it's not just finances. You know, a lot of people, well, he's talking about like, what does fruitful mean? Fruitful means above, beyond, abundant, right? It means eternal fruit. And you'll see it here. He says that you cannot do anything without me. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, this is verse four, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse seven goes on to say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's a good promise, amen? Shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And he goes on to say, Greater love has no one than this and you would lay down your life for others. In other words, bearing fruit should mean we're living a life that isn't just for us. We should live a life that is thinking, that is including, that is, that is, that is not only us being healthy, but then it's how do, I, how do I involve, how do I invite, how do I include others in this big family of God because God's plan is not just, it is for you, but his plan is actually to do more through you than you could ask, think, or imagine. And so his whole point is is, is to be in him abiding and abounding, abiding and abounding, abiding and bearing much fruit. And so you have a world out there, and the world actually tries to bear fruit without God. It is is obsessed with bearing fruit. Personal development, and I I love personal development. It's actually a conduit of how I got saved, but in and of itself does not work. You see... The teachings of God without Jesus, the person of Jesus, is empty. You can, so they're trying to bear fruit, and then we wonder why someone has got a $50 million net worth and wants to kill themselves. You wonder why you've got platinum-selling albums, yet they want to end their life. It's because there is no fulfillment without Jesus. See, they have achievement, but no fulfillment. But then you've got the, most of the church. I would say this is not awakened church. This is most of the church. Has been abiding really well they sit at the feet of jesus really well they 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 take time they read their devotional they they do all this stuff but they they're they're it's it's just about them and jesus and so you've got them abiding really well but haven't learned to abound because it's of the devil i need to make just enough for me i need to live just enough for me it's all about me and jesus church oh well we can do church online because it's just me worshiping god that is not why jesus built the church that is not why the church was established the church And let me just seize, I didn't say this in the 9 a.m., but the reason we gather is actually not just for other people. The reason we gather is first and foremost, which is the reason that we were created by God, for God, is to honor and worship him, is to honor and worship him. And second of all, it's to love other people. So I'll just leave that one right there. So they have, most of the church has fulfillment, but they have no achievement And we wonder why some churches stay really, really uninfluential. There's a reason, you know, for a long time I said I don't want any part of Christianity. I don't see anybody bearing fruit. I don't see anybody abounding. They just judge me because I'm Catholic and Jewish and confusing the hell out of everybody, right? (laughs) And so we need not one. We need not the other. We need both. Jesus said in John 10:10, the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And life abundantly. Abundantly. You see, God's desire, and people, are like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does abundantly look like? Well, it looks like what Moses and what God did through Moses to deliver the Israelites. He didn't just take them out of something. Sure, they were in bondage, they were in captivity, they were in slavery, but he took them out of a physical slavery and brought them into a physical promise. He took them out, he saved them, he delivered them, he actually healed them, and then he took them into a promised land. You see, we can be thankful to God. If it was only the fact that he saved us and we'd be going to heaven, praise God, and that's worthy enough to honor and worship him for the rest of our life. But he doesn't just want that. He actually wants you saved. He wants you healed. He wants you fully delivered. He wants you living a life that's bigger than yourself. And that's what communion is all about. It's abiding in him. And then what we see in the natural, in the Old Testament, we see in the supernatural in the New Testament. You see, the Old Testament, that deliverance was a physical deliverance. What Jesus did at Easter, the second Passover, was a spiritual deliverance. He brought us out of death and out of sin, which is the greater bondage. And he brought us into life and life eternal and life abundance with him. Amen. And so abiding is the first point. If you want to take any notes and go to heaven, just kidding, <laughs> it's not a thing. That, that joke actually doesn't go over much. You know, it doesn't go over very well in Salt Lake City because of all the Mormons. They think I'm serious and they're like, I just left this, you know, what? A-. So I have to stop. I had to stop saying that when I was out there. First, first point, abide. Abide. Different problems over there, y'all. Different problems. Okay. So, this this Sunday is very special. Not just because we're taking communion as a church, but because six years ago, to this day, I was saved in this house. Six years ago, to this day, I was saved in this house. And, you know, uh, life was honestly the opposite, and I joke about it a lot, but it was the opposite of abounding. Right, is the opposite whatever the opposite of bearing a lot of fruit is. It's, it was that, um, and it was probably because I was abiding in the world. Because we're all abiding. You're all getting your 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 nutrients. You're all getting your feeding. You're all getting your life. You're you're getting it from somewhere. Is it the question is is it in I am. Is it in Jesus, and so I was getting it from the world. I was getting it from myself. I was getting it from dysfunction, and you know, and, and just to give you a quick summary of why that was. So I grew up Catholic and Jewish. I already said that, very confusing. So obviously I didn't know who to abide in at that point. It was like, got two options. And uh, at nine years old, I lost my dad to a pretty traumatic heart attack. The next year, uh, my, my mom almost of the exact same thing within a year. And so by 10 years old, I was already just completely uh, insecure. Obviously without a father, I was scared out of my mind that I was gonna lose everybody I loved. I was anxious. I was, I was all of these things Yet, I didn't know what to do with it, because I didn't have awake in junior high, right? right? I, didn't have, um, I didn't have any of that. And so, dysfunction, addiction, you know, all those things started to creep into my life. It started with pornography at 10 years old, became addicted, and then when I went into high school, it was drugs, it was alcohol, it was partying, it was using women, it was all of that, and it was all normal. It was all normal for my circle. Um, and there are some things that you might think are normal in your life. It doesn't mean God wants them there. They might be even normal in some realms of religion, but it doesn't mean that it's God's perfect will for your life. And so, you know, when I get to college, it was like everything just accelerated, the drugs got a little bit more expensive and harder, the, you know, the, uh, you know, use party, everything just went to a whole nother level, but unfortunately, so did the fear. So did the anxiety. So, did, so what the world tried to feed me with, and I tried to abide in because it said there was life, there actually was producing death, And the very thing I thought would produce death, which was relationship with Jesus, was actually the only thing that was ever gonna give me life. And yet I didn't know that because all the Christians I looked at were judging me were, you know, they weren't abounding. And then all the people that were bearing fruit or so I thought it was fruit, they were the opposite of a Christian. And so, you know, I went prodigal son of my whole family and everybody around me. And so I took my $100,000, which my family had saved up for me to go to college. I went two years, I was gonna, you know, I was going to a good school and I said, you know, I I probably know what to do with this money better than anybody else because I'm 19 years old and I know what I'm doing. And so (laughs) I took that money, moved down to San Diego, which ended up being a blessing because it's how I got here. But um, blew that $100,000 in about a year and a half through all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, when you're 19, you got 100 G's. It's like, yo, I I can do anything, right? Like I am the king of the world. I was doing basically everything that the world had taught once again. That would fill you but nothing did it was the greatest gift it was the greatest gift i could ever be given because now as soon as i got saved i realized there's no life in the world there's only death there's only death and and all the stuff and the only thing to pursue is jesus because and his purpose for life because that was the only thing that was going to produce life and so Basically, I found myself at the end of myself. I began crying out to God, and I didn't even know God. I just—I knew I needed something different because I was starting to hear thoughts. I was starting to, to see images and dream about my funeral. I was starting to, to think, wow, wouldn't, I wonder, people would probably miss me a lot more if I was dead. Like, I would actually feel valued because I had people around me that said they were friends, but as soon as the money dried up, they were the first people to leave. And so everything that I was taught would fill me, emptied me, and I was finally at a place where I need something different, and it was that month that I got invited to Awaken Church by a guy named Luke Wilborn, who went to a merge conference that month, came back and said, "I'm going to invite the craziest people I know," (laughs) because we all did business together and we were, you know. And and he was like, "Well, you know, I'm just going to invite him. Like, screw. I'm going to invite the Catholic Jewish guy. What, what, what's the worst that happens, right?" And and he invited me, and I said no, and then he was like, "Seriously, you got to come." And finally, I was like, "You know what? I was like the Israelites crying out in Egypt." for someone to, for God to show up, and then he sent a Moses. Yeah. 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 I wonder who is on the other side of your yes. Why? I wonder, on, because you're Moses to somebody. Yeah. You're Moses to somebody. And this week with Hero, this week with Easter, we get to actually be that Moses for other people. And everything, all at once, because I heard the gospel for the first time, I heard that, that I was so dysfunctional. And most of us, I find, don't want to, enter a relationship with Jesus just yet because we don't think our life's a mess enough. I'm telling you, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait till I was where you're starting to think of killing. Don't, don't wait. You can do it today. You can make a relationship with God. You can start anew. You can have life and life abundantly and eternally today. So while I made a decision that day to receive Jesus, to, to respond to his goodness, like Pastor Samuel was saying, to respond to his grace, to respond to what he did on the cross at Calvary, taking my sin, taking my dysfunction, taking my addiction, taking everything that was wrong with me, and instead giving me life and life eternally, I was like, that's too good of a deal to pass up. I might not hear this again. I might not even know, like, I, might, I, I, I have to do something. And so I came down, I responded, raised my hand, I came down to the altar, and my life was changed forever. So while I made a decision to abide, to change from abiding in myself and in the world to Jesus that day, I discovered abiding wasn't a one-time event, it was actually a lifestyle, which threw me off a little bit. I was like, okay, this isn't a one-time kind of meet and greet, right? That's why Jesus told people, follow me, not meet me. Some of us have been playing meet and greet with Jesus every few months, once a year, twice a year, wondering why our life is still a wreck. And I'm just telling you right now, Jesus did not ask you for a meet and greet. Jesus wants all of your life because he doesn't just want the good, he wants the bad, he wants the addiction, he wants all of it because he's actually gonna use it for your good. Romans 8, 28 says, for all things work together for good, for profit, for benefit, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we need to stop playing meet and greet and we need to start playing, I'm gonna follow Jesus no matter what happens. John 6, verse 41 to 70, we're gonna put up is literally the difference between meet and greet Christianity and following Jesus Christianity. And I have to pay Pastor Samuel when I say following Jesus because it's his book, and he, you know, we have this thing. So I'll Venmo you after. Yeah. Stacking up. Yeah. So we're gonna read this. This is the difference. It says verse 41. Then the people began to murmur, this is Jesus talking about communion basically, being in one with him in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, this, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? You see, familiarity is the most dangerous thing to Christianity because you may have been to church before, you may have grown up in church, you may have been familiar with religion, but if you have not been changed by Jesus, you don't know the Jesus that we're talking about. You don't know I am. So they said, it can't be. I grew up with this. There's no way. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. In the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written, they will be taught by God. Everyone listens to the Father and learns from him and comes to me. Verse 47, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. You must be one with me is basically what he's saying. And then... Verse 52 says, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Church should be a little confronting to you. Jesus is asking for all of you, not just part of us. He wants all of you. Total, total unity. And so Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person on the last day. And then he basically keeps saying that. And then verse 6, he says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? If you come to church and you're not rattled, if you come to church and you're not challenged, if you read the word of God and it doesn't, uh, that's the idea. We should be changed. We should be made new. We should be laying down our way of doing things for his. So they kept complaining, and he says, does this really offend you? And he basically, you know, goes on to say, um, you know, if this offends you, just wait. you know it's about to get even crazier. And then it says, it goes on to say, we won't read the rest of it, but it, at this point, many of the disciples turned away. Those were meet and Greek Christians that wanted a God their way. Right? It's like Burger King. Like You can have it your way. No, you can't. This is Jesus. This is Jehovah Jireh. This is Jehovah Rapha. This is I am who I am. You don't get to make a God in your own image and still experience the life and the heaven and everything that you want. He is, he was, and he will be. There is none other but Jesus. So let's not make an idol that's not Jesus and pretend that we're gonna worship him. And then it goes on to say, Peter says, you know, can we even, there's nowhere else to go because Jesus says, are you gonna leave too? He's like, there's nowhere else we can go. We've been following you. We've been experiencing life. We've been seeing the goodness of God. How could we? It's like the response. We, we cannot help but respond. And so it is a step of faith to begin following Jesus because for me, it was like, okay, I've got to surrender all of me to him, all of me. They missed Jesus because they didn't want to surrender all. And I said, I'm done. Because the Bible says he is the way, the truth and the life. So if, 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 if that's not anywhere else, and it's only in him that I gotta do what he says. And the Bible says, if we remain in his commandments, if we love him, that we will remain in his commandments. Now, a lot of people say, well, isn't that, isn't that religion? Isn't that, you know? It's like, no, that's, that's actually a response. It's a response out of love because God so loved you that he sent his son, that the least we could do, the least we could do is obey his commands. And it actually brings life. If you're tired of living in death, maybe it's time to try something new. And that's his commandments, his way. So when my lifestyle became incongruent with his way and his truth, if I didn't surrender my life and my way, I wouldn't experience his life. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, once I got saved, I was still sleeping around. I was still using drugs. I was still addicted to pornography, but I had a decision to make. I either go back to abiding in the world and in myself and experience the death that I had, or I just choose, I'm gonna leave everything behind no matter what it takes, and I'm gonna step into this new life. And it was that decision that changed everything because I said, I'm abiding in Jesus no matter what it costs me. And I'll tell you what, it cost me my entire life, but it gave me a life that was exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask, think, dream, or imagine. And he can do the same thing for you. His plans aren't just to free you, his plans are to deliver you and bring you into promised land of an abounding life. The second point, as we close, is abounding. It wasn't long before God began moving pretty radically in my life because I just said, I'll just die to everything. I don't even care anymore. I read Mark 8.35 and I said, all right, I'm just gonna do that. It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will find it. You see, when you follow Jesus for real, you have to lose your life. But it's the greatest thing you can do. You can't hold on to your life anymore. It's like, all right, it's not. It, it actually made it easier for me because I realized, okay, Alex is dead in a sense, right? Now, Jesus and God still, they, He still loves you for you. He still loves you, your personality. He loves you. But not the righteousness that you tried to get on your own. It, the only righteousness that He accepts is, the, is that of Jesus. So I couldn't lose my life fast enough, honestly. It was, you know, I had broken finances. Like, all right, what do you guys say to do in finance? Okay, i got to tithe, okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna give, okay, I'm gonna do that. And guess what, finances flourished. I had a broken mindset around dating and sex, and I couldn't hang on, like, I was literally so dysfunctional when it came to that. So I was like, all right, I'll break up with the girlfriend I thought I was gonna marry, and I'll stop sleeping around, and guess what, I'll get accountability with guys as well that are in my connect group, and guess what, now I have the most gorgeous wife and a baby on the way. Would not happen if I didn't surrender that part of my life. I was addicted to porn, so you know what I did? I got in the middle of the group at Men's Prayer in my my circle of five guys, and I said, you guys know what? I'm addicted to pornography, and I need to break it because God's telling me this, this isn't gonna work. And so I had it broken there, and I began my journey of becoming free from that. I had no purpose, so I started serving the vision of this house. I had broken relationships, so I got into a connect group. God has an answer for every dysfunction that you face. And it's found in the life and the community here in church. Simply, I began prioritizing my life around the kingdom rather than vice versa. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Everything you desire is on the other side of seeking first the kingdom of God. So seeing God restore me, heal me, give me purpose, I couldn't help but bear fruit. I couldn't help but saying, wow, my life is really about loving God and then loving other people. So how would I do that? How would I get out of my way to see God? Who are you showing me? Who are you highlighting? Who are the Israelites like I was trapped in Egypt, trapped in bondage, crying out to God to send somebody? And so it wasn't long before I started bringing people to church because I just, I, I knew, I say, okay, God, you're, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing this cry, I'm hearing this cry. And so, you know, there's a slew of stories, but I'll just, I'll tell a couple of really what I believe we're meant to do this week. And what we're meant to do the rest of our lives once we respond to Jesus, and it's as simple as this: I was passionate. I said, "God's been changed my life. Jesus is real." I had a friend who was, uh, you know, that we were doing business with. He lived in Miami, and uh, and so I would, you know, we would talk every Sunday. So I got home from church the night I got saved, I said, "Dude, I met Jesus. It's crazy. All this stuff. You got to come to church. You got to come to, you know." And he's like, "I'm in Miami. Like, what do you, what, what do you want me to do?" I'm like, "Dude, you got to get out here. Jesus is the real deal." He's and I didn't even, you know, I just met Jesus. I wasn't. I was on my way to following him, but I didn't. I didn't know a whole lot. But I was like, you got to meet him. And so I was like, well, we have this conference coming up in Phoenix in three weeks. So what, what you need to do is you need to watch every online service until then. And then when that, die, when that day comes, you need to rent a car from Phoenix. You need to drive to San Diego for the Sunday you get in, you know, You get in at 9 a.m. in Phoenix. You can easily drive here. By the 5 p.m. church at Balboa campus for a Sunday night. I said, you have to do it. He said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay. And at the end, you're going to raise your hand when they ask to respond to you. And then you're going to go down, you're coming down to the altar, and then you're going to give your life to Jesus. So my friend gets into Phoenix. He rents a car. He drives all the way to San Diego. And his life was a mess just like mine. If I burned up walking into church, he might have burned up in the parking lot. And he said, he got into church. We're sitting in the back. I saved the seat for him. I'm like, remember, at the end, you got to raise your hand. At the end, you got to and he's like, all right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And so he literally, at the end of service, lifts his hand, comes down to the front, gives his life to Jesus. Everyone's like, and then we get in the altar room, and he's like, and the guy's like, oh, cool, so, you know, where do you live? Like, what made you respond today? He looks over at me, he said, he told me to. And then, uh, and then, and then, uh, and then he's like, well, where do you live? you live in North Park? Or, you know, where?" Like, like, no, I live in Miami. He's like, Miami, what are you doing here? He's like, he told me this is the only place he ever found life. He told me this is the only place he ever experienced the power of God. He told me all my dysfunctions could be swept away. He told me all my sin could be swept away. So I had to come. Little did I know there was other churches besides awakened Church that were like this. So we found him one in Miami. He started inviting all of his friends. He started bringing all of his people. He sent me pictures of all these people. And so he started flourishing in his finances and his business and today, to this day, he says, I, "I will always remember Awake. I will always remember because it changed his life. And what was so crazy was this weekend. He was at a conference, and he's one of the leaders of the company now. And they had a seven—they had a conference of seven thousand people in Dallas, Texas. Nowhere else you can do that besides, you know, Awake Church. And uh, during this during the season that we're in, and uh, and he, one of the guys that he ended up inviting to church, who didn't know Jesus before that, is now actually probably one of the top three in the whole company in terms of producers. And I saw a video that my buddy was filming of him. He spoke on stage, gave glory to Jesus. Then his buddy came up, and at the end of the whole thing, the end of, to wrap the whole event, he said, and guys, remember this whole weekend, Nothing, none of this matters unless Jesus is at the center. None of this matters unless Jesus is at the center. You see, we don't know what someone crying out to God could turn into. But I'm telling you, that invite, that barista you've been thinking about inviting to church, that neighbor of yours that keeps sinking their head when they get out of their car to walk into the house, that mom who keeps, I'm telling you, you don't know who's on the other side of you getting out of your way, of you surrendering, of saying, I'm gonna abide in Christ, and then who's, who's on the other side? Who's crying out to God? Who's crying out to God? And lastly, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll end with this. There was, a, I was part of a company moving into when I started the internship and, uh, and his, the founders were Casey and Ronan. And, uh, and it was an awesome company. They were far from God. So I kept inviting them to musicals because I knew Casey's girlfriend was really fond of musicals and they didn't know Jesus, but I was like, hey, this is the easiest invite ever if you love rock musicals. So I got them tickets and then I told them, hey, I got you tickets, you guys gonna come? So they came. She gave her life to Jesus at Twisted. And then, Little did I know, so come Hero. She invited, hey, can we get tickets for my mom? She absolutely loves this stuff. She does, you know, and little did I know that she had blood cancer at the time. Her mom did, didn't know Jesus. So they sat in service. I got them tickets near the front and she gave her life to Jesus at the end. Within three months, while we were believing, she ended up passing away. But Casey and Marty, they said, "We, we had no idea, but we have perfect peace knowing she's in heaven now. We have perfect peace knowing there's no other way she would have gone to a church, but she came to Hero. And some of you got some people in your life and they won't come to church, but they will come to Hero. And so it's time to invite them. It's time to buy tickets for them. So what we're gonna do, I want you to all stand to your feet. See, on the other side of our surrender is life for us and life for other people. So we're gonna take that community. If you haven't taken the bread, I want you to take that right now. And if you have pain in your body or if you even know somebody who has pain in their body, They've been diagnosed with terminal. They've been diagnosed with something and, and you know they need healing. I want you to take that right now. Believe in God that by his stripes, they are healed. By his stripes, you are healed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, just receive your healing. Just receive your healing right now. Holy Spirit, move, move right now amongst bodies, fill us from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet. We bind and we break every infirmity, every sickness, every diagnosis. We break the power of those words spoken. And Father, we declare healing release right now. The blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is more than enough. The blood of Jesus conquers all. In Jesus' name, that by the, your stripes, that they were healed. In Jesus' name. The second question I wanna ask if everyone You don't have to close your eyes, but I do want you to take a moment of of introspection. And I want you to ask yourself, have you completely surrendered to Jesus? I'm talking about not meeting Greek Christianity. I'm talking about, are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus, letting him invade every area of your life? There might be an area where you haven't surrendered. You're like, I'm just allowing him to meet this area, but I don't wanna let him, I don't wanna change it, I don't wanna challenge it. But today you're like, man, if this guy would just shut up, I'd be able to get into my car and out of here because I don't know if I can do it anymore. Well, friend, I'm gonna tell you, you can't do it anymore without him. You can't do it anymore without Him. If you're not experiencing life and life abundantly, if that, if that scripture messes you up, it might be because you haven't fully surrendered to abiding in Christ. And today is that day. Today is the day that you can surrender all. So the two questions I'll ask is, number one, if you've never met Jesus and today you're like, I need to, I need, I, I'm dysfunctional. You're like I was six years ago. You're like, I'm at the end of myself. I need Jesus. I need, I need total life. I need new life. He died for your sins. He died for your dysfunction, He died for all of it so that you would have life and life eternity in heaven. If that's you today, I wanna include you in my prayer. Maybe you're the second group of people and you're saying, I've you know, i been a Christian a while or I've been meeting Greek Christianity, but I haven't surrendered all. There's this one area I keep holding back and I know if I really am gonna step into the purpose of God, I need to surrender everything to Him. If that's you, the worship team's gonna play, if that's one of you too, the worship team's gonna play here in a moment. And and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray with each and every one of you. But the only way I do that is if you come down. Six years ago, and I want you to start getting out of your seats right now. Come out of your seats, come down to the aisles. Come out of your seats, come down to the altar. Because six years ago, my life was radically transformed. Six years ago, I got out of my seat and I said, I'm going to see everything change. I'm going to see everything shifted. I'm done living life for myself. I'm done exalting myself. I'm done following what the world tells me. You know you need to get out of your seat right now. Your heart's racing. Your heart's racing. You're like, I need to come meet Jesus. I want you to come down, come down, come down to the front. The worship team's gonna play. I'm gonna be right here. But sometimes if you stay in your seat, you will stay the same and you need to surrender all. I want you to come down to the front. I don't care if it's one person. I don't care if it's a hundred people. I want you to come down right now. Worship team, come on, play, play. making your way down right now, keep coming down. I'll come and meet you. I'll even walk out with y'all after because I want to meet you guys. And some of you, your heart's still racing. And you're like, I wish wish he didn't ask us to come down because I don't want to do that. But I'm telling you, I believe, I believe there's power in being altered at the altar. I believe there's power in it. So even as I'm praying right now, I want you to come down. We'll come out and we're gonna pray in a minute, but we're all gonna pray this prayer together, all right? We're all gonna pray this prayer together because we've all prayed this before, it's gonna invite Jesus to become not only Savior, but Lord. I love that you guys are willing and you're ready to see Jesus transform your life. And it's gonna be a powerful, powerful moment. So let's all say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn away from abiding in the world, in myself, in anything else. It's not you. I choose to make you my Savior and my Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. And I know the rest of my life will be the best of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's let's applaud, let's celebrate.